On a cold morning in March 1874, a farmer named Benjamin Schneider approached the home of his neighbor, Carl Stelzenrein, to pick up some potato seeds that Carl had promised to save for him. It was a short walk from Benjamin's farm to Carl's. Both men owned land along Saxtown Road, just outside the small community of Millstadt, Illinois. When Benjamin walked into the yard, he found the farm strangely quiet. He could hear his boots crunching on the frost-covered grass. A bird called in the distance. Otherwise, all was silent. Benjamin knew the family should be up doing chores by now, but the cattle and horses in the lot didn't seem to have been watered and fed, and the Stelzenride house was dark. He knocked sharply on the front door, but there was no answer. He called out and looked in the window, but it was too dark to see inside. Carl had asked him to stop by that morning, so it seemed odd the entire family would have left so early. Finally, Benjamin turned the knob and found the door unlocked. He pushed the door open and stepped inside, and then he saw the first body on the floor, lying in a pool of blood. Welcome to American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to the waning days of our latest season, Woods and Fields, Dark and Wicked, which is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. This has been a strange and twisted season so far, but it's just about to get even stranger and much bloodier as we begin delving into the murders that stained America's forests, farms, and fields. In the introductions for each episode this season, I've mentioned I've been working on this season for most of my life, and I've been asked what I mean by that, and why I'm so fascinated with the dark tales from out yonder, as the farmers used to say. So that seems like a good time to tell that story. I spent part of my life growing up on a farm, outside a little Illinois town called Mawikwa. It had been built around farming and a coal mine that closed after a disaster in 1932 that killed 54 miners. But it was the Portwood murder that was the bloodiest blight on the little town's history. Henry Portwood was a wealthy farmer who'd owned a large farm about two miles east of town until he retired in 1903. He was respected and generally well-liked in the community. He served in the Union Army during the Civil War, enlisting in 1862 at age 17, and was described by all as a quiet and industrious man. After he retired from farming, he purchased a home from H.C. Odell, which was located on the northeast edge of town, and lived there quietly with his fourth wife, Molly, and a son from his third wife named Everett. Portwood had been widowed three times. Everett's mother had died in 1902, shortly before Henry retired. This never generated much sympathy from the new wife, though, Mary Helen, who went by the name Molly. She was 12 years younger than her husband and had never been married and constantly complained about the boy. No one seemed to know why. It was either because he was a constant reminder of Henry's third wife or because the boy didn't behave, because the couple often fought, because Henry didn't allow her to discipline Everett. Whatever it was, their marriage was troubled and the disagreements over Everett led to them separating for a short time in July 1905. They stayed apart for about two weeks and then reconciled. According to friends and witnesses, they seemed to be getting along well, even on the morning of the murder. The Portwoods had been visiting with neighbors on that Sunday morning, September 10, 1905, 
and the neighbors later told the police they had seemed to be in good spirits. But then around 10.30 a.m., something happened at the Portwood house that would never be revealed. Whatever it was, Henry took the secret to his grave. What we do know is that whatever occurred, Henry cut Molly's throat with a straight razor, nearly severing her head. And then he slashed his own throat with the same razor. Molly died quickly, but Henry lingered, first claiming that God had killed his wife, and then confessing when he was told that his son would be blamed for the crime if he didn't tell the truth. It had been Everett, age nine, who had discovered the bodies. He walked into his parents' bedroom and found them lying in pools of blood. Screaming for help, the horrified child ran out of the house and gave the alarm to the closest neighbors. Several men ran into the Portwood home and discovered the awful scene. The newspaper stated, The room looked like a slaughterhouse. Molly was lying on the floor near the window. Her head was nearly detached by the brutal force of the cut. Blood was still flowing from the gaping wound when the first neighbors entered the room, and she twitched and gurgled, still showing signs of life. The damage had been done to her throat prevented her from speaking. She took one more harsh breath and died. With a wound to his neck almost as deep as his wife's, Henry was lying a short distance away, almost in the doorway to the parlor. He was still alive his feet kicking and his legs twisting as he thrashed about in his own blood. Looking around, neighbors could see that a struggle had taken place in the room. Furniture was knocked over and the bed covers were twisted onto the floor. Everything in the room from the beds to the walls was spattered with blood. It was, the newspaper said, a scene more terrible than can be described. Molly had evidently been sitting at the north window of the bedroom brushing her hair when she was attacked by her husband. Bloodstain shows that she rose from her chair after she was cut. After slashing his wife, Henry had then turned the razor on himself, cutting fast and deep across his own throat. Seeing that Henry was still alive, one of the men pressed a cloth to his throat to try and stop the bleeding. The straight razor was on the floor, just inches from Henry's hand. It was obvious to everyone what had happened. Cyrus Mitchell, a neighbor who was the first to arrive on the scene, asked him why he had killed Molly. But Henry's replies were nonsensical, claiming he hadn't killed his wife, that he'd not been hurt. Mitchell told him that his throat had been cut, as had his wife's, and that he must have done it. Henry replied, Nobody cut my throat, did they? I didn't do anything to my wife or myself. I did not do it, Henry insisted. God must have done it. But Cyrus Mitchell insisted that Henry confess to what he'd done, even stating that the police might believe that it was Everett who committed the murders if Portwood died before admitting what had happened. Apparently this worked, because the dying man made one more statement. Yes, I did it, but it don't make any difference why. It's all right. And those were the last words that Henry spoke about the murder. Dr. Pratt, who had been summoned to the scene, quickly arrived and tried to save the man's life. There was little he could do, though. Henry died later that afternoon, a killer and a suicide. He never explained what had caused him to snap and murder Molly. The motive for the crime still remains a mystery. After an inquest and a funeral, Henry and Molly were buried in two different cemeteries outside of town. They were separate, even in death. As for Everett, he was taken in by his sister, Mrs. Frank Clark, Henry's daughter with his second wife. After that, Everett seems to have vanished from history and no trace has been found of the boy whose life was shattered by that terrible day. Ah, but Everett's life wasn't the only one changed by the Portwood murder. 
eight decades later, it would shape mine as well, especially after I learned in high school that the house where the family once lived was still considered to be haunted. I've been fascinated with the horrors of America's farms, fields, and small towns ever since, which is how we ended up with this season and a final act that is so drenched in blood. This is episode 16, the first of those episodes, but there are many more to come. When Benjamin Schneider walked into the Stelzenride home on that cold March morning in 1874, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. His friend Carl lived on the farm with his son Frederick, Frederick's wife Anna, and their children, Carl, age three, and baby Anna, who was only eight months old. All of them were dead and appeared to have been killed by a heavy axe. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, the ordinary household axe was one of the most commonly used murder weapons in America. And that was for a simple reason. Everyone had one. Axes had dozens of uses around a farm, from chopping wood to killing chickens, and even in towns and cities they were needed because so many people had fireplaces and wood stoves. They were weapons of convenience, easily available when robbery turned into murder or disagreement turned into a tragedy, as was the case at the Stelzenride home. The first body that Benjamin found belonged to Frederick. The young man had been badly beaten by a heavy object and his throat had been cut. Three of his fingers had been severed, perhaps trying to fend off the swing of the ax. Panicked, Benjamin began looking for the rest of the family. He found Anna and her children lying on a bed. All of them had been bludgeoned to death with the blunt side of an ax, and Anna's throat had been cut. Her infant daughter, baby Anna, was lying across her chest, her small arms wrapped around her mother's neck. Her son Carl was found next to her. He was unrecognizable because he'd been hit so many times in the face. All three of them had apparently been murdered as they slept. In a separate bedroom, Schneider found his friend Carl. He'd been struck so many times with an ax that he was nearly decapitated. His body was on the bloodstained floor and it was later surmised that he'd roused from his bed by noises in the house and had been struck down as he attempted to come to the aid of his family. As Benjamin looked around, he saw blood was on the floor, the walls, and the ceiling. He saw chips and indentions in the plaster and in the ceiling caused by the killer's wild swings. The only survivor of the massacre was the family dog, Monk. He was found lying on the floor next to Anna's bed, keeping watch over the bodies of the mother and her children. Monk was known to be very protective of the family and downright vicious towards strangers. This fact would lead investigators to believe that the killer or killers was someone known to the family. Benjamin ran away to raise the alarm and the local authorities called to the larger nearby town of Belleville for help. Deputies and detectives were soon on the scene, led by Deputy of Sheriff James Hughes. It was Hughes who discovered the footprints leading away from the house. The prints had been made by boots that were cobbled with heavy nails, making them very distinctive. Hughes also found indentions in the ground that looked as though they had been made by someone dragging a heavy axe. He followed the tracks for about a mile, and at the end of the trail, he found a pouch of partially chewed tobacco that was covered with blood. He deduced the killer had been wounded during his attack on the family and had attempted to stem the bleeding with chewing tobacco, a popular folk remedy that was believed to draw the infection from the cut. The footprints and the bloody tobacco pouch led the police to the home of Frederick Bolts, the brother-in-law of Frederick Stelzenride. Bolts was married to Anna Stelzenride's sister, 
and there had been a dispute between Boltz and Frederick because of $200 that Boltz had borrowed and never repaid. The two had quarreled over the debt several times. Boltz was friends with a farm worker named John Afkin, who had also once worked for the Stelzenride family, who had also had a grudge against Frederick. Afkin was a large and powerful man who was considered an expert with an axe and other hand tools. He also had a bad temper and one other thing that was of interest to the police, a full head of red hair. Carl Stelzenride had died clutching a handful of hair that was exactly the same color. The bodies of the murder family were prepared for burial by some of the local ladies. This gruesome task was carried out in the Stelzenride barn, which still stands on the property today. The corpses were in such horrific condition that a number of the women became sick while washing them and had to be relieved. It was brutality like nothing these small town folks had ever seen before. The family was laid to rest on Sunday, March 22nd at Freivogel Cemetery, just a few miles from their home on Saxtown Road. The news of the horror spread across the region in newspaper accounts and even appeared on the front page of the New York Times. The attention brought more than 1,000 people to the Stelzenreitz funeral service. Meanwhile, Boltz and Afkin had been arrested and were being questioned at the Belleville City Jail. Neither man would speak and offered no alibi. When shown photos of the victims, they refused to look at them. They were brought before a grand jury, but there was not enough evidence to indict them, and both were released. Even so, the police continued to investigate. They were convinced that the two men were involved in the murders and were determined to prove it. They followed the men, asked questions of neighbors, and continued to try and learn all they could about the Stelzenreit family's movements in the days before the murders. They soon found that Frederick Stelzenreit had told friends he had received an inheritance from relatives in Germany that was worth several thousand dollars. Detectives began to believe that the slaughter of the family might have been an attempt to wipe out all the immediate heirs to the estate. Frederick Boltz might have believed that his wife would inherit the money because she was Anna's sister. He'd then hired John Afkin to commit the murders. It made sense in a twisted sort of way, but the police could never make it stick. Boltz later filed a lawsuit on his wife's behalf to get money from the Stelzenreit estate and, believe it or not, actually received $400. Well, soon after, he and his family moved away from the area and never returned. But suspicion always followed him and John Afkin too. Rumors claim that Afkin was often seen carrying a gold pocket watch. When asked where he'd gotten such an impressive timepiece because it seemed much nicer than anything he could afford, Afkin would only smile. Some whispered the pocket watch looked exactly like one that Carl Stelzenreit once owned. Was it true or merely small town rumor? We'll never know. The Stelzenreit home was torn down in August 1954. According to a newspaper story at the time, the owners of the property said they were glad to tuck the tail out of the way with whatever ghosts are there. Well, they got rid of the house and even built a new one on the site, but the ghosts were much harder to get rid of. Recent owner of the property, Randy Eckert, has often said that he believes the land where the murders took place is haunted. His first experience occurred one morning when he and his wife were awakened by strange noises. They both heard doors opening and closing in the house, although nothing was disturbed. And they weren't the only ones to hear it. 
The family dog, which had been sleeping at the foot of the bed, was also awakened by the mysterious sounds and was terrified and shaking. Randy added that the sounds were repeated many times over the years, always around the anniversary of the murders. Similar stories have been repeated by tenants who've lived in the house over the years. A man named Chris Nauman was living in the house and he and his girlfriend were awakened one morning by someone knocking on the door at 6 a.m. When Chris went outside to see who was over so early, he found no one outside. Before Chris could get back to bed, they both heard thudding footsteps pacing around the house and up and down the basement stairs. Startled, he checked the staircase just as he had the door, but found no sign of any intruder. When he told Randy Eckert about the incident, Randy asked him when this had happened. It was March 19th, Chris replied, the anniversary of the Stelzenride murders. Will the haunting along Saxtown Road ever end? Probably not. To this day, the murders of the Stelzenride family remain unsolved. There have been many suspects suggested over the years, but the mystery remains. The area where the house once stood along Saxtown Road has changed very little since 1874. And it's not hard to imagine the terror of those who lived nearby after news of the murders began to spread. It's a lonely, isolated area, and if the stories are true, a haunted one. And it's a haunting that will undoubtedly be with us for many more years to come. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, don't, don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words... 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I can hear you fine. It right. just doesn't sound right. Sure. So. It'll get there. It'll get there. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into the American Hauntings podcast, the show where we discuss oh, well, history. We're recording. Hauntings, yeah. We're actually recording. Legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. Uh, we're now in season six of the podcast. Woods and fields, dark and wicked. Thank you. Um, I'm your co-host, Cody Beck, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor, who's having some tech issues. No, I'm not. I I just um, it just doesn't sound right. I'm moving. I'm moving my office around and it doesn't sound quite right, even though I can hear you. Yeah, it just doesn't. It's not loud. So Hmm. I like everything loud, big, loud. You know, over the top, you name it. Yes, so. I'll be curious to see once you figure it out of what the uh, what the issue was. Um, I'm, it's my own stupidity is the issue. That's well, you said <laughs> my you, lack of technical know-how. That's the issue right there. So you said it, not me. But um, <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm the first <laughs> to admit it. So, <laughs> oh well, you're moving offices and stuff around. What else has been going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Just, um, you know, getting ready for uh, fall more than anything. You know, mm-hmm. lots of stuff on sale, fall tours, river road tours, dinner events. Everything's on sale at this point. So, you know, Alton, Decatur, Springfield, you know, Chicago, uh, dinnerandspirits.com. All of our dinner events are on sale for the fall of our river road tours, which are some of which are already sold out. So we're filling nice. up that stuff up fast. Plus, this week, this is the big week for Alton. This mm. is the, the week, this coming weekend is when uh, the new edition of, of, which I don't, I can't hold up to show you because it's in the other room. But um, the books came in They're It's like this thick. Massive. I know, I can't wait. It's twice the size of the old book. It's filled with tons of new stuff. Never been in print before. Um, online, August 26th. But, you know, if you're anywhere in the Alton, St. Louis area, you're going to want to come see me at the Mineral Springs on the 27th, August 27th, this Saturday from 11 to 3 um, at the Mineral Springs. I'll be doing a book signing there. Uh, we'll have uh, posters of the book cover, posters of Oren's uh, version of the Piazaw Bird, all that stuff's going to be on sale. And we'll have all of our regular store there, too. 
I got a river road tour that night. So um, we're going to have, it's going to be a great day. I, I'm super excited about it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So I come can't see me. Check it out. Please come see me. <laughs> no, just kidding. Man's begging you. <laughs> um, come see the museum while you're there and stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. you're, all, you're there at the Mineral Springs. Do it all, you know? Yeah, Dave, done, done, done some cool stuff there. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I love that place. So, um, yeah, so that's yeah. what's going on. So I just got back from Chicago. How was I that? was in Chicago for a few days filming with Netflix. I'm not allowed to say what it's for or what it was or anything else, but I will tell you it's a show on Netflix. <laughs> that's all I can tell you. That's it. But, but it was fun. So I had a good time. So, yeah, it's that's time. awesome. Have you yeah. uh, you watched anything cool lately? Um, I want no, I, you know, I really haven't. <laughs> no, I've watched. I've watched several things that have been kind of disappointing. Um, I, um, you know, always hope for the best and it doesn't always work out that way. Uh, but I did watch um, The Sandman that the, the series on Netflix, mm -hmm. which I've never read a single Sandman comic. Don't know anything about it, not a thing, but I really enjoyed the series. So, I mean, it's, 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 you don't have to be, you don't have to be knowledgeable about the series to the, the comic series to understand once you go into the actual thing. I, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I dug it. I watched it uh, like, I watched like six episodes going up and down on the train, uh, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. Uh, um, other than that, I watched, I mean, I, I watched resurrection recently, which I really wanted to love because I love the, the actress that's in it. Um, she, Rebecca Hall is, I mean, you've heard me talk about her over and over again. Yep. She's from the awakening and she's done the night house. One of my favorite movies from last year or earlier this year, I guess, but man, um, yeah, not it was great up until a point. I don't know if you've seen it or not. Have I haven't. No, I no. haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, and the last thing I saw that I really liked was um, Valley of the Dead. And it was like the Spanish, set during the Spanish Civil War. So, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't even give you anything mainstream that I've right. super been into. But because I only, only because, and I know we both watched this, but I didn't count, I didn't put Prey the the new predator movie i didn't put that into horror hmm. I, I don't know i i you know I, I i love those movies but i love all the predator movies but i i really always think of them as sci-fi sure. i don't really think of them as horror i guess um this one was probably closer than most mm -hmm. just because of the setting and everything but that that was a great movie yeah it's really good that was great I, um, you told me you'd you saw it right before I did and said, uh, I'm not going to say anything. Cause I, you know, I want you to watch it. And, uh, I watched it as soon as I could after it came out and it blew me away. I thought yeah. it was fantastic. It was so good. I think so I've watched good. it like three times now. Maybe I just keep yeah, putting yeah, it on. It's so good, man. And I just, I wish that, you know, I wish people would learn when they're going to reboot stuff, go, go. They now that should be mandatory. Go watch Prey, see what mm -hmm. they did with the Predator, and then now you do something with that. Right. But I mean, I've liked a lot of those. Um, the only Predator movie, <coughs> excuse me, the only Predator movie I didn't care for as much was the last one before this. 
which oh, was like the, the, the predator. predator. Yeah. Um, it was okay. I didn't love it though. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked predators really well. The one with everybody, they took them to a different planet. That's a great one. I I'm apparently one of the few people who like predator too. But I, I love, love that movie. Danny Glover. Yeah, hey, I love Danny Glover and B. Bill, pa- Bill Paxton's in it. Mm-hmm. But that's the one that really establishes what it is the Predators are doing. Right. That's the one. And which is the reason that I love Alien versus Predator so much. Because mm-hmm. the aliens have nothing to do with that. They're just they're a byproduct of, you know, they the guys go into the pyramid. They accidentally wake up all the aliens. But the only reason they do is because it's like a game preserve for right. predators. That's the only reason it's there. And that one I really like too. Um, now the second one, not so much. The Requiem, the Requiem or whatever. Yeah. No, the first one's great. Second one, not so good, but yeah. Anyway, but I love those movies. So I was hyped for this one. So I was, I was pleased, very pleased with nice. this. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. Um, I, I, Got the graphic novel for Sandman once they announced the show is coming out. Planning on reading it before I watched the show. Yeah, it's but been sitting on my so shelf. So many of them, though, and there's I know, it's such I know. a it's such a such a mythology to try to pick up. Which I was happy with the first episode of the season. They really set up what was going on because mm-hmm. I needed that. Right. But it was a. But I really enjoyed the series. There were a couple I didn't couple episodes I didn't care for as much but I will say if anybody is listening and they decide to watch it when you get to episode six that's my utter favorite of all of them Hmm, okay I liked them all but I loved episode six it's so good and it's almost like a standalone kind of thing but it's so good it's just amazing so well I recommend it it I recommend the series it was good Something that I watched um, that I, you know, I love comic books and stuff. And I mostly like Marvel over like some DC things as far as like movies and TV. But finally, I have I've had it on a list for a while because I didn't really know anything about it. But I watched Peacemaker um, with John oh, Cena. No, see, I didn't watch it. It It is super violent. It's super funny and like has great dialogue and witty banter and stuff. I was blown away by how much I enjoyed it. Huh. Um, well, so maybe if, I should try it because... I really like the second, you know, the 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 redone Suicide mm-hmm. Squad, um, but I could have done without that character. Even though I don't have anything against John, sure. Cena. I just the character didn't do anything for me. So when the series came out, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I did know? this. I kind of wrote so it off too, it. but but I finally yeah. checked it out. But yeah, James Gunn wrote and directed most of the episodes okay. of Peacemaker too. Right. So um, I'd say to check it out. Uh, let's got a listener review here. This one is from Margarita MCP, and it's just titled "Great Addition to My List." It says, "Just well, found you I yesterday." I already like it because their name's Margarita, so I'm, I'm in. This so. just found you yesterday. Great stories, history, and well produced. So I love when anybody says that it's well produced. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very yeah, much. Because I definitely do not do any of that, <laughs> which I'm sure is you know much to your dismay. Hey, we all have our roles, you know. Uh, okay, you ready well, to I dive kept in? Thinking that maybe yep. you could teach me to do like, you know, even the Patreon ones, which are not as intensive, but you know. But then I kept thinking, yeah, he's probably not going to want to do that. So I would teach you, but I feel I like, like you're going to be like, I don't have time. See, for this. you're leaving. You're leaving out some stuff here. <laughs> we got some reviews on here that you're not mentioned. Like which ones? And these are classics. Okay. I mean, all right. 
Just found you yesterday. Oh, you said that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like this one. Troy and Cody make a great team. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> that the whole review. Troy is a great storyteller, and Cody asks great questions. Their back and forth is great. See, these are awesome because they gave us five stars. I so, thought that I, I think I used that last one though, because I feel you? like we, I feel like we were like, eh, we don't know if we agree with the, that, but uh, thanks for, uh, I can't uh, remember yeah. at this well, point. Well, that is, that would be accurate. So, <laughs> right. oh, okay. Yeah, I no, actually, there's some I nice ones though. These that I do remember. So, yeah, there's but, been some yeah, nice ones. I mean, I like these one line reviews as long as they come with two stars. So, right. pretty awesome. Uh, two stars five stars there That's you go it's like wait, wait a minute two Hold lines on. five stars yeah two lines five stars yes uh okay are you ready to talk about this sure. story yeah 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 march 1874 farmer benjamin schneider approaches the home of his neighbor carl stelzenride is that right yes and that's yeah that's one of those names that i made sure that i kept spelling out phonetically yep. for yes. myself sure let alone for you it's not an easy name just because people hear us say Stelzenrye, but what they don't understand is that it's spelled S-T-E-L-Z-E-N-R-E-I-D-E. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's Stelzenreid? not... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not as easy as you might think, so... Right, so yeah, maybe give us a break every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least it's not French. Right, oh, boy. Enough with the French. We New get Orleans it. season, yeah. Uh, but he finds a bloody mess, and mm -hmm. this is when you kind of you diverge a little bit because you, you start to tell a story about um, your own past in your own town, maybe. Well, and, I mean, and wh at least, why at you least are the way what you inspired are. me. Yes, sure. It was a story that inspired me about farms and farmers and small towns. So, yeah, I mean, I, that wasn't something we had to do a big discussion on because I pretty much covered it in the in the episode, but. I felt like since we were entering what I consider to be our third act of this mm -hmm. season, I mean, we had our, you know, we had our witchcraft act at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Then we went into like disasters and missing people and the woods and that kind of thing. But now we're, we're entering into the third and final act of the season, uh, which from here on out is pretty much just murder after murder after murder. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of felt like that maybe because I'd been making some big claims about, you know, hey, this is I've been working on this this season of our podcast for life. And people are like, right. what the fuck are you talking about? This is what I was talking about. This is the story that got me started on all this stuff. When I heard this story and found out about this story when I was in school, I'm like, I get it. I get it. I lived on a farm and I. um there were times I, I I wanted to kill people living on a farm. It's not it is not the idyllic life that people believe that it must be. I could never understand that whole back to the farm, back to nature movement a few years ago of hipsters wanting to go back and start farms. Are you insane? Are you crazy? <laughs> you know, a lot so. of work. It's not. Yeah, it was never for me. It definitely wasn't for me. Probably much to my stepfather's dismay it certainly was not for me um yeah well it gave us a little insight into uh, a little bit yeah. more insight into it the does. mind of troy taylor and how my brain works yes so, i mean it's a and frightening this, place to be 
So it's I mean, this kid finding, you know, the parents and pools their own blood. He said the room looked like a slaughterhouse. He thrashed around and is uh, thrashed about in his own blood, claiming his uh, God killed his wife. Like, this is just an insane thing. Yeah, it's a wacky story anyway. Yeah. And it had a made an impact on a young Troy Taylor. Yes, it did. It sure did. But back to the OG story. So this this guy finds his neighbor and basically the entire family slaughtered with an axe. Um, very reminiscent of like some Velisca type stuff that we've talked yeah. about. Yeah, really. It is. It kind of is. I guess with this with this one though, at least have some like defensive wounds, maybe with the you know right. fingers chopped off. Not everyone was asleep when it happened. Right. 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 But it's also, again, um, a bludgeon to death with the blunt side of an axe, which we see a lot, which I didn't really understand until season three when we really talk through that and how it makes a lot a lot of sense to go. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like wielding a giant hammer. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's a hammer that you have to swing with both hands. Right. What it boils down to. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Except one side's really sharp. Yeah, it's better (laughs) better than a hammer. Yeah. Yeah. Two tools in one. Yeah. Um, yeah. If there's any uh, metalheads out there, too, by the way, there's a song called Bludgeon to Death by Suicide Silence. I'd recommend checking out. Oh, really? Okay. It's very scary. Uh, 36 seconds in. So I've noted that for you. Do you understand uh, what they're saying? Or is this one of those? <laughs> well, it's one of those, except at, the, at 36 seconds in, all the music stops and it's just the vocals. And you you understand what he says. Oh, okay. and it's terrifying. Okay. Um, but this one, I was, I was glad you said at least the dog didn't die. I know. Well, I thought you know? I should add that in because I had some friends who would be very upset if they found out that the dog had died as well. So I'd be upset I mean, too. I have friends who will turn off movies uh, because yeah. the dog dies. So yeah. I get it. You know, there's that whole website, I think, like, does the dog die? Uh, there com. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, people don't people don't like seeing that, you know, the little kids, yeah. whatever dogs. Nope. They're just. Yeah, right. We it. don't care about all the rest of the people, just the dogs. Yeah. But it seems pretty. I mean, is this as kind of as cut and dry as it is? It seems like it was, you know, an argument with the family over money and inheritance and stuff. Yeah, or? it's just I mean, that's the way it seems. I mean, I, obviously, we can't prove that. Yeah, um, because no one could ever make anything stick. You know, I mean, he they they had alibis. They had, you know, there was no clear evidence. I mean, yes, there were the footprints that kind of led in the direction of the house, you know, but nobody could prove anything. And so it just, you know, it never got solved. It just never did. Mm-hmm. So why why of all the other different acts stories and things that you have why why'd you go ahead and pick this one I feel like there were probably a lot of ones you could have chosen but what was something about this well, one that sticks no, I, out there was some, you know this one just kind of checked all the boxes you know mm. it was a farm family you know there was you know it's unsolved you know it was so brutal that no one saw it coming I mean it was not it completely stunned and shocked the entire community everyone who lived along that road. And then the beauty of it is, is that it left, you know, it left the haunting behind. It wasn't like it was something that was just a murder that happened. I mean, you know, there was a story here and it just keeps repeating itself as time has gone on over and over and over again. You know, I mean, people who have lived in this, in the house that's built on the property and the barn is still there. 
the mm-hmm. barn where the, the that the Stelton rides owned, where the bodies were prepared, that barn's still sitting there on the property after all this time. Uh, the house is new. I mean, it's a newer house. Um, and it's just one of those stories that um, I've always found so interesting because it's an isolated area. It was an isolated area then. It still is now. And the house, while not the same house, it's on the same spot. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it seems that the anniversary of the murders just seems to stir things up again, right. you know, and that comes from the owner and from tenants who have come into the house afterward. So it's one of those stories that I, um, you know, I, plus, you know, it's, it's somewhat local to us mm-hmm. as far as Alton goes, you know, it's not that far from Alton. You're talking about Milstadt. It's not that far away. And so it's a story I heard a lot about, uh, before I ever really dug into it. And um, yeah, it's um, it's just one of those, you know, murders that you just never know. You know, you don't know your neighbor. You don't know right. your family members. Because when we're talking about an extended family member here who probably was behind this, you know, and for, the, for a bizarre reason, you know, just thinking that they could wipe out most of the family so that they would inherit the money. It seems like a reach. And it would seem hard to believe that that was the answer, except for the fact that that the guy actually had the balls to file a court case and try to get money for his wife after the murders took place. I mean, right. that's that's some nerve. That's how you know you're not going to get caught. You know, right. you know that you got away with it if you're going to you're willing to do something like that, which you yeah. did. And he ended up getting like 400 bucks, which was a decent amount of money in 1874. And then a quick, they quickly packed up and moved out of the area, you know, and sure. then the guy who they think actually, you know, wielded the ax, you know, walked around with, you know, the guy's pocket watch, mm-hmm. you know, for years. I mean, at least that was the story. Sure. Because I don't think they ever shook off the suspicion, you know, that they were involved. Have you ever been out there or is it just a regular house? Yeah, that- no, I've, I've driven past. I mean, I've been up to the house. I took a picture of it. I use it. Um, I do an axe murder presentation that's different axe murders every once in a while. I've got a picture of it that I use in the, in the presentation of the house. Um, it's, it's just an ordinary house. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like anything. I mean, it's just an average kind of ranch house, you know, mm-hmm. but it's built right on the side of the original cabin where the murders took place. Right. Which yeah. had to have looked like a slaughterhouse, you know. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, just your regular house now with doors opening and closing and noises repeating, like you said, around the time of the anniversary of the murder. Yeah, so. right. Except for that, it's yeah. an average house. It's you pretty know? normal. <laughs> oh man. Well that's a let's end on that sad note. But um yeah, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our um, newest Patreon supporters. So thank you very much for supporting the show to Susanna, Kat, and Lisa. Uh, we've talked about it before, but we couldn't and wouldn't do the show without you all. Um, so thank you very much for supporting Which the show. We should also mention, speaking of Patreon, yeah, uh, we should mention that next week will be the final episode of the Moonlight Murders. Yes. Our podcast within a podcast. I don't know how you do that. Um, it's a special podcast we only do for Patreon people. And um, our last episode of this season will be next week. And I've been putting together some stuff for the next season. So we will, we have another season coming that is completely separate from this podcast. Um, and it will be, um, oh, I don't, I'm not even going to say, I'm not even giving any hints yet. 
I will wait on that. Uh, but we do Little have teasers. another season coming after the Moonlight Murder. Uh, we'll have uh, another season to come for just Patreon people. So the only way that you can do that or get involved in it is go to patreon.com slash American Hauntings and you can listen to all of our bonus episodes, but especially the new series that we've started. And um, there'll be another one coming up soon. Yeah, and send me your shirt orders, those of you that need them. They're supposed to get shirts. Yeah, it's time. Right. Yeah, yeah. I sent out the email, but we'll see. I don't yeah. think I've got any. Keep your fingers yet. crossed. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, it is now time for our ghostwriter segment. If you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at American Hauntings Podcast at gmail.com. This email comes to us from LJ. The subject is just podcast, but it says, Hi guys, just want to tell you how much I love the podcast. I took a break from it due to a change in jobs and just didn't have time to listen. I'm back now and I sure missed it. You both do a fabulous job. I'm catching up and listening to season four. Since I recently went to New Orleans for the first time, it's especially interesting. Going back to New Orleans early next year as I found the city, culture, and people fascinating. One of my favorite places on earth. Keep up the incredible work. Take care. So thanks, LJ. You know, Why I do you enjoy New Orleans? Going to, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're fine. I mean, normally I do it on purpose. But right, I right, right. That time. Um, I, um, I find that our New Orleans season seems to get more and more people right about that season than anything else, I think. Yeah. We've done has been that season. And um, it was fun to be down there this summer mm-hmm. again after taking, I have to take a long break thanks to whatever happened i forget was there a pandemic or something anyway it was a long um, time it was kind of fun to get to be down there and i think i get more and more people who you know will contact me and want to know hey what can you recommend where should we go you know and it's like dude go well or be just kind of like i did to all of you guys down there every time somebody asks me something i go man what do you not listen to the (laughs) podcast i mean we covered this yes (laughs) People are like, just give me the so, short version. And I'm like, we work yeah, our asses Come on, off. man. We covered this. <laughs> What's oh. this house? It's in the podcast. Why don't you listen? So, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that never got old. It just kept getting funnier. <laughs> uh, that's all I got, man. All right. Sounds good. So, all right. Well, I guess we will wrap this, uh, this episode up. Uh, thanks to everyone who listens. Um, please share the show with your friends. You'd be surprised. There are still people who don't know we do a podcast. I had somebody on a river road tour recently and they said, boy, you, you know, you, you, uh, you do a good job telling a story. And I'm like, well, I have a lot of practice. I do a podcast every other week. Like you do see, so you still don't, you know, mm. no matter how much we advertise it, people don't know we do a podcast. So, right. Pass it on to your friends. Give us a review on iTunes. It makes it easier for people to find us. I know that, you know, it's, it's, if you don't listen on iTunes, it's a hassle to do it, but man, do we appreciate it? We really do. Um, Take a couple of minutes to do it. Leave us a review wherever, share us around. Um, Don't forget, um, you know, Patreon, I already talked about that. Uh, But if you are going to the website and you are wanting to go on, tours or get a book like the new haunted Alton or whatever, make sure you use the podcast discount discount code. When you go to order at American hauntings.net, um, all you got to do is put in the word podcast and it gets you an automatic 10% off. You can't, can't lose. I mean, I mean, you literally can make money listening to this podcast. I mean, it's stuff you're going to buy anyway. So you might right. as well get it. So get the discount. I mean, am I wrong? 
No, no. I love I use the discount code all the time. Every time I order. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right, man. Well, I'll go for it then. This episode of the American Hauntings podcast was written by Troy Taylor, and it was produced and edited by me, Cody Beck. Music for this season is performed by Packy Lundholm. You can find more about his music and upcoming shows on Twitter, Instagram, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, and Facebook. Hey, you, you know, just us- because I didn't play any Orson Welles this week, uh-huh. that was last week, I did get several messages from people. And of course you did. posted on my Facebook a picture of Orson Welles and Rita Hayworth just to, just to let me know how much they love Orson Welles and how much they enjoyed my devotion to Orson Welles during I'm going to start my own anti um, Orson Welles group <laughs> and yeah we'll we'll see uh, you can find us on most of those places too plus you can subscribe to the show on iTunes Spotify Stitcher or anywhere you listen to your I was favorite drinking podcast. this wine and I was thinking you know I'm glad no one sold see this wine the website at AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com for more info about the show notes photos links and more thanks for listening we wouldn't couldn't just definitely wouldn't um, do it without you uh, not after all this you know that's Orson a lie Wells. you know it's a lie because we'd want to do it anyway it'd be that's... like me with the books I always try to tell people listen I'd be writing this stuff even if no one read it right I'd still want to write it because I have to so we'd probably end up doing this anyway uh, probably be, but you know well, what when helps. I was a kid well it does help that people listen but you know when I was a kid we used to do um used to rec- do my own radio station uh-huh, and I would okay. record. I wish, God, I wish I had those tapes now. I bet. But we would set up. I would set up tapes with music and talk up the show, the the music coming in and everything. Mm-hmm. And then you know I convinced my parents to play them in the car when we were traveling <laughs> places. It was awesome. You were doing so, your own podcast. Basically. I was. Well, yeah. Well, it was still radio. It was before radio was utterly dead like it is now. Uh-huh. It was when radio was still a thing. And so I thought I wanted to be in radio. And so I am no longer in radio. So it's podcasts all the way. So, now, if like my phone dies and I'm in the car or something, like I just sit in silence. Like, oh, God. Yeah. The because radio. there's, yeah, you don't want to listen to the radio. No. So. Oh, okay. Well, until next time, goodbye. Oh, yeah. So long. So long. I thought we were See done. You later. I'm sorry. <laughs> See cool. you later. Oh, my eyes twitching. Oh, that's not good. My eyes twitching.